and welcome to The Turning Point, a weekly show that's being created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Hello and welcome to The Turning Point. Today's guest is Adam Farrer, who's uh, a very good friend of mine. He, uh, he let me sleep on his couch for a week in London once, but we'll get to all that later. So after 10 years in financial services, he just thought, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go down the startup route, which a lot of people are doing and a lot of people have. Um, but he went one step further uh, and moved to the other end of the country down into London, the big smoke of the UK. So um, Adam, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't know if you want to know, but I just had my hair cut and a beard shave. <laughs> Thanks. So this is part two, by the way. Computer locks up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the financial services and the financial services industry. How and why? I guess. Well, um. So coming from a little rural town, I suppose you could call it like Barnsley. Um. You, your parents give you like a path of progression. And my parents did that. You go to school, you go to college, you might go to university. Um, but no matter how you end up, you get a cushy little office job and you just plod along. And I didn't know any better. I thought, yeah, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I was quite naive. I was uh, late teens and I just thought, okay, well, let's do this. So um, I went from uh, working at uh, the council where I eventually got sacked. Um, and Sorry, sacked. I I got sacked, yeah. Well, that's a different story. That's for part <laughs> three. Um, but I kind of realized then when I got sacked that, you know what, there's, 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 there's more to life than this. So actually, I kind of did what is a, a cheater's very first step in becoming a little bit more independent as an employee or as, a, you know, as somebody who can give, in, give to, the, to some area of the job industry. I became a contractor. Um, and I actually started working in the financial services industry. Um, how, how did you end up falling into financial services or was it just, did you just end up falling into it? I kind of ended up falling into it really. So I, I worked for um, I worked for a couple of com companies while I was getting my feet in the contracting world. And I just got a phone call from um, a company called SAS. Now they do, they provide analytics um, and sort of fraud prevention, a lot of kind of stuff for the financial service industry. So while not strictly financial services, you know, they are the backing of pretty much every bank. You know, if you use a bank, chances are they're going to use this SaaS software. So I started working for those guys for four or five years. And, um, you know, I thought it was fine. I had quite a lot of freedom. I could set my own working hours. Um, you know, things, things were all right. But then I decided... Again, I kind of get bored after a few years. Um, after four or five years, I thought, mm, you know what? Let's let's see what else is out there. And that's when the the true financial services work came in. And again, it was just a case of falling into a job. So I knew that I had these skills uh, that SAS had given me, and I knew that all banks used SAS. So I thought, let's see what we can do. You know, paid well. It afforded me a, a you know pretty good living as a twenty you know mid twenties, um, and it just Again, it just kind of got to a point four or five years down the line where I thought, yes, 
things 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 are going to change because I'm 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 not quite happy and I think that's what it came down to it came to, it came down to knowing that I th- I, or, or rather feeling that I was meant for something else other than just checking in nine to five, you know, having to learn all the corporate language. Um, I, I realized really really early on that it just wasn't for me, but. You know, I had a decent wage. As I said, it was coming in. I could pay my mortgage, and I was I was scared to do anything else. To be honest with you. Um, but in then, what respect? What what do you think <clears throat> caused the fear? Um, it was a fear of not knowing where my next wage was coming from. I mean, I don't know what other people who've done contracting are like, but um, if you're good at your job, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed that word of mouth gets around. You'll you'll always be in a job, but. You know, I know contracting uh, by itself determines contract, um, but we working on um, monthly. Was it six months, a year, or multiple years? Or well, they kind of played the they played a funny game. I'm not going to mention the the institution that I was with, but they play a funny game. So they'll, they'll they'll set you on for six months, then they'll set you on for three months, and then they'll set you on for a month, and then they'll keep topping you up like a month or three months at a time. And I had no certainty, so I think like the uncertainty of whether or not I was going to get renewed. That's where the kind of fear came in. You know, I was like, oh, do you know, well, okay, am I going to get renewed this month? Will I be able to pay my mortgage for the next few, you know, year or whatever it might be? All this was starting to play into my mind. I was kind of, I was kind of living in a world where I didn't have the financial certainty that a lot of people who struggle with moving out of one area into something completely new um, might have. So that, so that financial certainty was, it, I'd say it was, a, it was a, it was a, Mm, pretty good factor in me deciding to actually leave the financial services mm-hmm. um, once and for all. So um, what <laughs> what actually happened was my um, the, the, the actual turning point was when my um, then girlfriend, now wife, broke down. She was heavily pregnant at the time. Uh, I've told this I've told this story quite a lot, but she was heavily pregnant at the time, and she um, she broke down in the car. And she was stuck at the roadside for sort of three hours. Now, all this happened while I was still at work. Um, I was a couple of hours drive away, so I couldn't get to her straight away. Um, and I, I just saw some problems in the breakdown industry that I thought, I, I think I can probably do something to help this a little bit here. So while I was still employed at the bank, I would spend um, every evening doing some research and um, getting getting an idea of what I wanted to build and actually starting to build it. Um, I, and then I got the blessing from my wife and I said, look, I think there's really, I, th- I really think there's something here. This is what I've been working on. I think I want to quit my job. That means that I need a big batch of savings um, because obviously we we're expecting a child. Mm-hmm. And we were getting married, and I just—I I got the blessing from it, really. So I, I decided to just quit the bank at the end of that year and chase my passion. I mean, that's <clears throat> there's a lot going off there, um, but you are quite fortunate to ju- to just. And a lot of people do strive for the the backing of uh, of partners, wives, husbands, or whatever. And so there's there's people out there who don't have that. Because well, they might they might be single for and as an example, um, but it's it's quite a fortunate and a big a big driving force behind sort of progressing and successing. Yeah, it is. It is it's massive. Successing, because, you know. That's succeeding. Not a word. Yeah. Succeeding. <laughs> progressing um, and succeeding. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's. Um, 
if I'd have been single, I I honestly don't know if well for a start the the situation that led me to to um, looking into this startup world wouldn't have happened. But uh, secondly, um, I don't know if I'd have had the can I swear I don't know if I'd have yeah I would put explicits on it the balls. Let's put it that way. I don't know if I would have Sweat the balls. To, it, is, it, is, it is in my house. Um, I've got a two-year-old. Um, I don't know if I'd have had the balls to do it. You know, I don't know if I'd have, if I didn't have that network. So my wife, she's, you know, she's so supportive. It's unreal. And if I have had somebody sort of biased, but if I have had that person there to say, look, yeah, okay, I know what you're working on. I've seen how much passion you've got for this. I've seen all the work you've done to it, uh, done for it go and do it, I, d- I don't think I would have done it. I think I would probably have still been um, in, you know, being a entrepreneur where I wanted to, to build something. But I, you know what, I was just working a nine to five and I was happy with the money. I, th- I think that would have probably happened. So the the, the, the support network is vital. hugely, yeah, oh, so, so vital. So, <clears throat> I mean, it, it it's good that the fact that you've, you've, you, your uh, wife uh, now actually sparked off this, uh, the start of this journey, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, but then gives you the backing as well. Um, and you've got a, a baby on the way and you're getting married. I'm stupid. And, <clears throat> well, I'm, stupid. I, I was, I'm just going to, what I'm going <laughs> to jump back to, brave. Uh, what I'll jump back to is you were mentioning when you were contracting that you um, you didn't necessarily have that financial uh, certainty because you were worrying if you're going to get renewed at the end of the month or is it going to be three months or whatever, which is quite fragile and it you does limit to what you you've, you've, your view is going forwards and how far you can plan. I, I guess in some ways that kind of helped wean you into going down this sort of um, um, self uh, employed startup route because you've you've kind of already had a bit of the fear of a, a financial fear anyway in the past yeah and and you know what in in a kind of yes it did prime me for it i think that's definitely true um and in a, and in a way it kind of um it it kind of it got me into the mind of thinking right okay i might not i might not get a contract at the end of this month or i might not be extended how's my money going to pan out for the next in, in in the case when I was still contracting, how's my money going to pan out for the next three months? Because I knew I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be out of job for three months if I decided to stay contracting. Whereas in the, in the startup scene, when I've finished working at the bank and I knew I wasn't going to get any revenue for a good 12 months, you know, um, it kind of primed me because I thought, yeah, okay, right, let's, let's do some sort of serious budgeting now. Um, quick tip, if you have quit your job, and you have 12 months of runway, um, don't have a child and get married in another country because that <laughs> will absolutely ruin your budget. But, but yeah, it did. It primed me, you know, it, it got me, it got me into the mindset that, right. Okay. Let's, um, let's, let's take this serious now. I guess it would have given you some drive as well, because if you're, if you're, you're working, um, during the day and then coming back and working on your own thing, Thinking, well, am I going to? Am a contract going to get renewed? It's like, well, if it's not going to be, I need to have some. I need to start working on some plans that's going to put that in place. Yeah, I'd never thought about that actually. I'd, you know, but the the thing is, I, I've always had, I've always had the kind of mind where I want to, or, or the kind of um, 
persona is that the right word i don't know where i want to create things you know i love i love building it so happens that software is my um preferred method of building things you know i'm a software guy rather than a hardware guy um but i've always loved doing it you know i'm never i'm you know i'm never happier in a working life than when i'm tapping on keys creating code um so yeah i think i think there was um there was some some definite precursors to um to my personality that, that helped in this as well. But I mean, it was an interesting point that you made, you know, it's, um, it's, it, it's a weird situation because on, on the one hand, you are so happy with what life. Yeah. You know, just not, not just life, but you know, you've got this, okay. It might not be steady based on everything I've said so far, but you've got this, you've got this income that's affording you a certain way of living. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to watch the pennies. You have to budget like any family, but you, you know, you can just, you can just live your life and you can just, you know, just, just be. But the thing is, I think something else that, re that, that, that entered into my mind as well was I'd kind of reached, and this is just a, a byproduct of contracting. I've kind of reached the, the highest level that I ever wanted to go. I knew I didn't want to be, uh, certainly in the corporate world. Yeah, kind of plateaued. In the corporate world, I didn't want to be a manager. You know, I mean, I joke about it all the, two, all the time, but I didn't want to be, you know, Prince 2 Pete, you know, the guy who just spurts off, um, you know, corporate management speak and, you know. How do you know Pete? Uses, Pete, well, I, I do uh, hockey with him. I don't know why I said hockey. I've never done hockey in my life. Uh, that's it, yeah. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to be Prince 2 Pete. I didn't want to manage people that really didn't want to be there you know they, they were just like in a very similar situation that I was in the parents told them a 95 was the thing to do and they were just doing it you know they weren't happy they weren't excelling they weren't pushing themselves they were literally clocking off at five o'clock on the dot every day and yeah. I, I knew that wasn't for me um so I wanted to I wanted to build something I wanted to um excite people with something that was using I wanted to help people I wanted to build infrastructure you know all these things sort of just 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 came into place when nick broke down that day and and i thought yeah okay this is this is the time this is the the, the movement this yeah. is what's going to actually actually happen a lot of people i've, I've spoken to <clears throat> and just things uh of people that i know and in, that's happened to me there's always seems to be a catalyst and in this case, it's a it's a broken down car, and not being able and not being able to get to your fiance now wife. I mean, there, there's a catalyst that causes many things. Um, it, it can be a good thing in some ways. It causes it. Uh, sorry, it can be a bad thing that causes one of the best, uh, and it can be a good thing that causes something even better. Yeah, like there's uh, some people that I know that have lost a, a family member, and as horrific as that is, out of the other side, there's been like an epiphany. And like an an enlightenment, and it's like, right, well, this is now plain to sight, and now I'm going to do that, and it's, it's, uh, it obviously it's still terrible, but it's in on a different part of their life. It's opened things up, and just like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. Right, go. Do you know something that that's that I've learned um, that sounds really obvious when you say it, but but I I had to learn it, and and I only learned it when I um, entered the startup world, is that any opportunity that presents itself to you should be handled with open arms. You know, not even any opportunity, but any anything that happens to you. I wouldn't say I, I, I don't believe that it happens for a reason, but I do believe that it can that it can help you. You know, any mm -hmm. opportunity can or or any event can open up a, a plethora 
of opportunities. You've just got to be accepting to it. You've just got yeah. to open it. And and I think um, the point you made about being in that mind space already, I think that I think that was that was key to it. You know, some things lined up. Um, you know, it probably helped lining up that it was the end of the year as well. And I, you know, I was going to have a few weeks off work anyway. Um, everything just lined up, and I thought, you know what, it's go time. Which and leads us on. You, I've never looked back. Well, sometimes, and I would normally say that, but I've in, I, I spoke to somebody and said sometimes it's good to look back at see to see the progress and the things that you've done and accomplished, and take stock well, and measure. Yeah, I mean, that's but I, very... I I know ex- I know exactly what you mean because I would think, well, if I'm really happy, then I'm not looking back at what I used to. But then, but sometimes self-reflection, which I, I don't think a lot of people do very often. Yeah, reflection reflection's good. You know, I, I mean, um, I'm, I thoroughly and wholeheartedly believe that you shouldn't regret anything. I mean, you know, some, no, it doesn't matter what it is, the worst possible thing. Don't regret anything because everything that's happened has shaped you into this this person. I'm, I mean, I'm talking, obviously, if you're a criminal, you might have some stuff to regret. But the rest of society, <laughs> the rest of society you know, regret you can't it's one of the only emotions that you can't learn anything from you i know, regret having some chicken once to get me food poison i do regret that i didn't I learn see, anything I, from that I had apart from the hor- horrific pain of food poison right now then little story um digress i, I yeah big digression well you talked about chicken and i had dinner today so i'm hungry um i once had chicken on a night out and i got food poisoning as well and um, I did learn something from it. I learned not to go back to that particular takeaway, but I also learned all I need to do to lose a stone and a half is get food poisoning. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Slight, slight digression onto chicken. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we've talked a bit about the startup world that we're, um, that you're, that you're in. Um, now, like I said, a lot of people are in that sort of space, particularly at the minute, because it's it's had a big, big boom. But um, like some of the people who you met when you joined that world, it, they didn't really do it by halves. And there were some no. big personal decisions and things that you had to make to get the most out of it and get the best start to your startup. Yeah. Which... Yeah. Knowing what that is, I'm going to let you tell the story, but knowing what that is, it must have been damn hard. It was. So I decided to quit the bank and um, I had about nine months. Well, actually, no, it turned out to be exactly 12 months. Exactly 12 months to to, um, try and build this startup. Now, I only learned later on that I did it completely wrong. Again, these are the only lessons that I could have learned by actually being in that startup startup world. But I did it completely wrong, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but... I took that 12 months, as I say, you know, I had, I had a, a, a batch of savings. I spent so much time with my family. So um, in that time, you know, I had a, a really young daughter. She was nine months by the time I decided to quit the bank. Um, sorry, she was less, she was six months. And um, I was getting to see her a lot. And it was great because I just wasn't seeing her anywhere near as much as I was when I was working at the bank. 
So family was a big plus, you know, me and my wife got married, so everything was really lining up well there. There was some pressures by not having any revenue from the startup because I was still in the sort of the build phase of it. Um, but then I started reaching out. I started, you know, looking into the sort of the startup world in the UK. You know, everybody's got this idea of startups have, as being Silicon Valley. You know, you want to be in a startup, you've got to go to Silicon Valley or at least America because that's where it's all happening. Um, and it's it's just it's just not true, you know. There's this there's such a, a big network of startup um, mentors, advisors, you know, investors in the UK um, that I started to dig more into that scene. And I read an article by a guy called Paul Smith, a really intelligent guy, really great guy. If you're in the startup world, uh, give us a shout, and I'll I'll send you an introduction. Just so you know, uh, it's not the clothes guy. It is not the clothes guy, although I'm sure he is very smart. This was um, this was Paul Smith, the ex CEO of a, an accelerator called Ignite. So he wrote an article um, about Ignite and about them being in the north of England, which again, you know, wasn't heard of for the startup scene. And I reached out to him, and through a few conversations and a few meetings, we got accepted onto um, Ignite's first London program. Of course, this was where you went up to Newcastle, wasn't it, originally? Yeah, so they, they, they started out in um, in Newcastle and they've run a um, few years of, uh, of accelerators in Newcastle and they decided to just branch out a little bit and they branched out now to, to Manchester as well. Um, but they were, you know, they were big proponents. I mean, there's a, there's a big company called Sage. Everyone knows Sage, the accounting software. They're in the north. They had a good backing. So there's, there's quite a lot of talent out there. But they, would, they decided to branch out. So I reached, reached out to Paul, um, visited him in Newcastle. Really nice guy. Really up for talking to anybody. You know, one of these guys who's, who just grasps any event as an opportunity. Um, and through a, a few meetings we got uh, and, and interviews we got accepted onto this this London accelerator and I mean you know I come from Barnes as you said it's we're 180 miles away from London uh, I, that wasn't commutable so I had to have a very open candid talk to my wife um, and our support network you know the grandparents who look after the children and sister-in-laws and all that sort of stuff and I, I, basically I, I had to get the okay to move down to London um, and, you know, everybody knew that it was the best thing to do for the startup, the best chance, the best way to move forward. Um, so I just picked up sticks, uh, left my wife and child back in Barnsley and moved to London with a good friend of mine, Mark. I mean, thank God we've got FaceTime. Well, yes. And I don't mind saying it was such a big shock to the system that first night, um, you know, knowing that I was now away from my family. <coughs> I, mean, we, I can imagine you just lay, laying down and then just thinking, I, I'm not going home tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm not going to be able to. Or the day yeah. after that, or the day after that. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the thing is, I mean, as, as, if you've got any parents that listen to this, you know, especially if like a young children, <laughs> dad, um, <laughs> It's difficult, you know, it's so difficult leaving your your new wife, sure, that's that's hard, but leaving your child behind, I mean, good God, I don't mind saying, you know, that first night I just cried my eyes out because I was like, and and and, and because it's like a flurry of emotion, you, you know, you're thinking to yourself, 
is this the right thing? Is it the right decision? And then you wake up Mine's next day just and you're on fire, to, just thinking, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you know, you just got synapses firing in every every area of your brain, and you just you can't help these thoughts coming out. It's totally normal. Um, but you know, move past it, and 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 let me tell you that three months in London, and I visited them every week, but that three months in London was the probably one of one of the top things that I've done in my life. You know, just just personally from a personal development point of view i grew so much from from that time in london personally you know i learned a lot but i was also able to um to fail quite fast on cavalry the startup and and then start a new one yeah i mean that's that's one thing i was going to touch on because i i had the pleasure of coming down for a week um for uh some stuff for the studio hacksaw and I worked in the um, in the offices with you guys, and it was the environment was crazy. There's a buzz of people. Um, yeah. You've got these. I mean, what would you call what do you call the people who were part of Ignite, like um, Floss and? Well, I mean, oh, they're the program managers, program directors. program managers. Yeah. So you got all the all, all those guys swanning around, like just wanting swanning. to help you. With, yeah, yeah, swanning around. They got a swagger. Um, <laughs> you just like questioning and poking and pushing you. Like your little your your baby, well, yeah, for yeah, no, it's true, yeah, 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 yeah. it is, and just prodding it and poking it and shaping it, and you're like, whoa, 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 and you just it was all fast action stuff, but everybody was doing it, and it all for the greater good. It was really eye opening to just to be in in the room, and I was thinking, Do you know what, this this is a fast paced stuff, and it's yeah. just just rapid prototyping and getting that MVP out there and seeing what's going to just throwing all the shit at the wall and seeing what is going to stick. And it, it was really interesting to see how, I mean, I was only there five days, but just to see how the other, like got to know everybody and see how their stuff developed in such a short period of time. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the guys that they bring on to the, you know, so, um, floss, excuse me, Flossie, Martin and Paul, uh, and a couple of people that, that you might not have seen, uh, Tristan, George, you know, all the people that, who were at Ignite at the time. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're on hand. You know, you need to pick up the phone anytime. If they're not around, you can pick up the phone. You know, they're always on social media. They're on like Slack groups. They're around, you know, they're always in the office. They're always there. Um, and they are, their sort of prime focus or their sole focus while you're on that on that accelerator is to help you grow, you know, and, and sometimes we were talking about this earlier on. Sometimes that helping you grow is to keep you accountable and it's to have a go at you and it's to push you to get certain things done, to hit certain metrics. You know, sometimes it's, it's defining what your metrics can be, but they're always there to, to help you and push you to progress. I mean, um, I'd love, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be in a fly on the wall the first week and the last, maybe the last week, you know, when, when they're talking to you about what you're creating and when, when, they're, when they're ripping it to bits for the greater good and you're thinking, what an ass. And because you're taking it on the chin, it's like a barrage. And then at the end of the week, you're like, yeah, thanks, man. Cheers. And they've done probably some berated it and attacked it, like I say, for the greater good. And you were like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's, I don't know why I didn't see that. You know what I mean? Well, so uh, <laughs> the hardest part for me of the accelerator process was the first, I think we did six weeks of mentoring. Yeah. So every every Wednesday we'd sit down with um, about uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 mentors, advisors, investors. Some of them were potential investors. 
um, that might like your company once you know once you get to a point where you're raising rounds. Some of them were actual people who would put money into you. You know, so a lot of vested interest there, mm-hmm. and and it was the most difficult part because they would, they they weren't just ripping your product to pieces for the greater good. Some of them were just ripping your product to pieces, and their their drive is to say, look, um, I don't think you can do this. Not you personally, but I don't think this is doable. You know, maybe you personally can't do this, but I don't think this is doable. Have you thought about this? Do you need to pivot? You need to throw this in the bin. I mean, about 50% of the mentors, advisors, investors that we spoke to hated cavalry, absolutely hated the idea of it. They thought it would never work. And 50%, you know, it was like the exact polar opposite. 50% thought this was an amazing idea with amazing, you know, a great concept, a great um, path to execution, you know, just a prime time to disrupt this market of, you know, this nascent sort of legacy breakdown industry. Um, and it was difficult, you know, I mean, you get 50% saying it's great, you get 50% saying it's shite. Um, I mean, it's, what do you, what I mean, do you do? it might come across as biased because I've been involved with, with part of cavalry, but even when it was pitched first, I was like, do you know what? This is a great idea. I mean, a lot of these, these people at the minute who are listening are not going to know what it is, but it's on demand uh, recovery. For, depending yeah. on on a particular issue that you've got, think Uber for recovery. Yeah, so it's so you know. What's not to, to like? Pay, well, that's it. And and the other thing as well is you know you had you had certain promises that you could keep. You know, like so um, certain big companies say, okay, we'll be there in an hour. And in my wife's case, it turned out to be three hours. You know, even though she was um, supposed to be in this classification where they get to a straight away, it was still three hours. Um, you know, we'd we'd promise no matter who you are, forty five minutes, flat fees. You don't have to pay a monthly, yearly, annual fee, whatever. You know, you just pay us when you need us. You mm-hmm. know, kind of. We hope you never have to use us, but when you do, we're there for you, and we're not your dad's. You know, breakdown recovery service. But it turns out that the reason that the fifty percent didn't like it is because they were thinking, well, okay, twenty years down the line, who's going to own a car? Now these were city people. These weren't people who, who know what it's like for a town like Barnsley that's got what three hundred, four hundred thousand people in it that all own cars. They're never going to do car sharing. They're never going to have Teslas riding around the streets, you know, jumping in it at the whim of an app click. Um, but you know, so they're saying, okay, maybe in Barnsley you've got the issue of a behaviour change. How are people going to know about your product? How are you going to get awareness? So there were a lot of issues that were piling up that we had to answer. Um, and in the end, we decided, okay, well, the answer to all of this is money. You need money to do the marketing. You need money to raise awareness. You need you need money to almost change people's behaviours. And we didn't have that money, which is why we ended, ended up closing it down. So you mentioned earlier about this pivot, which is what you guys ended up doing. Yeah, I don't know if you can call it a pivot, really, because normally a pivot is... You, Log Diaries said it would a pivot. Well, <laughs> so it's a pivot normally is, um, you know, you, you're sticking around the same sort of um, company, if you like. You know, it's just your product that's maybe changed a little bit. What we did is we decided to just completely park cavalry. We've not binned it. I still believe that cavalry is a good idea. So, yeah, normally pivot is some sort of change in direction. Um, but we decided to just totally park cavalry up you know just put it on a shelf forget about it and then 
that, and that was a hard decision, you know, and we went away, we thought about it and we came back with a completely new idea in a completely new sector. Um, so yeah, kind of, you could call it a pivot, but really it was just a complete shift. We've just played a brand new game, you know, still within the startup world, but again, we sort of hit a turning point realizing that we needed some big books to make this thing happen. And we decided like, let's leave it let's see what else let's see what else we've got you know we're halfway through this accelerator program we've got this amazing uh, bunch of people that we surrounded ourselves with what else can we do yeah and how how did that make you feel you know when you're thinking because you've been working on this for a good chunk of time before you went down to london haven't you so what you know because like i say it's a product but it's your idea it's your thing it's your baby we're told i what was the thought you're thinking well we're going to bend this off well, you can't argue with the maths. Um, so we did some some uh, sums again. You know, should have done this a lot earlier, um, but I don't regret not doing it because I wouldn't have been in this position now. But um, I was I was really down about it. To be honest with you, it was almost like I was having a bit of a funeral for cavalry. So quit my job. Burned through all my savings by this point. I mean, properly burned through, you know, catching money off the in-laws and my parents. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, what's all this for now at this point? And I, I'll be honest with you, I, met, I, was, in a, I was in a deep place. Um, but we met up with one of the um, program directors at another accelerator called Techstars. Pretty big one, you know, global accelerator. And he just said, look, guys, go out tonight. Get really, really drunk. And think of it as a as a wake for cavalry. You've you've put this one to bed now. Go out, get it out of your system. Sort of toast to the time that you spent working on it, and and you'll come out of it feeling refreshed. And I kind of thought, yeah, okay, that sounds a little bit airy fairy, but you know, any chance to drink? So we did it. We went out, <laughs> got drunk, and um, and we just forgot about it for the entire weekend. We just thought, you know, okay, let's not think of any new ideas. Let's not think of anything. And lo and behold. Um, a co-founder, Mark, he came up with another idea and we, we pitched it to the, the team at Ignite and, and they loved it. So real dark moment to begin with, with Cavalry, you know, but then the excitement of having this new idea that was really well accepted. Yeah, really well it's, it's, the idea, it's the idea all over again, isn't it? That, that like, woof, this is going to be mint. I'm looking forward to this. Let's do it. Yeah, and the great thing was as well, we'd learned so much in that initial six, seven weeks, excuse me, initial six, seven weeks of um, of being on the accelerator that we felt really well placed to sort of just throw in with this new startup. Yeah. We, we, we weren't going to make the same mistakes we made with uh, at the beginning of Cavalry. And, you know, we learned a lot and we managed to get, you know, in a few days, we managed to get double the amount of people using our new startup, Pip, um, as we, you know, as we did in a year of working on Cavalry, um, and that was in three days. So, so we, we felt really, really good about it. Sorted me out big time. I know. Yeah, I remember it. We um, we sorted quite a few people out in your office. I remember rightly. Yeah, it was it was sorted me out for taking my mum out on Mother's Day. We booked me a restaurant job. Like it would bang on. I what, when, I, when I went in and uh, and said, I've got a reservation. Oh, what's it? what name is it? It's Pip. And my mum turned around and went, what? <laughs> I was like, sorry, don't worry about it. So <laughs> It's a startup, mum. We've got this covered. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if I'd said that. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? You're having some tea. It's okay. Parents. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, 
so and we kind of just glanced over that sort of transition again in, into into Pip, but the uh, the fact that I've never really said to you or Mark before is that this idea was born in an accelerator. It's not an idea you've had and then you've come into an accelerator. It was born in the pit. So that must have just, it must have been like lighting a flame of progress, like gone. Like you said, you've got more people using it, double people using it in the space of three days. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you kind of, while you're on the accelerator process, you kind of take it for granted everything that you learn because, you know, you're just taking so much in. I mean, I filled up notebooks and notebooks and notebooks of just, you know, notes from all the talks that were given and all the advisors, all the advice, you know, and you kind of, you don't realize you're taking it in. Um, but then when you're actually thrown in at the deep end of starting something from scratch, um, wow, you just, you, your brain is just on fire. You know, you are just, you know, you know, all the right, well, no, you don't know everything, but you, you know some really good ways to start tackling this. You still need the advice of mentors. You still need the advice of the program uh, managers and directors on Ignite. But well, soundboards, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They are soundboards. And, you know, they, they, they kind of helped us. Again, Paul Smith um, helped us with the uh, initial um pitch if you like so we decided that we knew that Pip was to be a, a, a personal assistant if you like you know for for everybody we could help you sort out valentine's day mother's day birthdays that kind of thing and paul said look niche on on birthdays you know so the the, the kind of they helped set the direction for us and i, I don't mm. think without all of that advice and all of that that leadership honing in and just focus, yeah and just like, try just try, try focus yeah we'd have we'd have we'd have got to where we were. Imagine doing it again, how different that would be again. I know. I kind of think we've been, I have thought about doing it again. Now, you know, leaving the family again, that would be a, that would be a massive, massive thing. I mean, I just did a week in London um, and, you know, just leaving my family again for that week was really, really difficult. Now I'm sure over three months it'd get easier, but there are no more, the opportunities I think that we'd be seeking now are for slightly later stage startups. So Ignite, yeah. um, at that point, we're concentrating on very early stage startups. Maybe some of you've just got an idea. Maybe some of you've got a bit of traction, but you're very early stage. I think now we'd be concentrating more on the later stage accelerators mm-hmm. and they're, they're kind of in, in America. So you'd have to just completely leave your family for three months. You just There goes just, the uh, weekly visits to home. Exactly. So... Um, I know you'd. I know it'd be worthwhile, though. You know, I know that you oh, would yeah. learn a lot. So anybody, anybody that's re- that's that's listening to this, who's thinking, you know, look, either I've had an idea bubbling away in the background, or I'm thinking of quitting my job to chase something else. You know, I, what I would say just do your research. You know, the 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 absolutely guaranteed there will be other people in your situation out there. So whether you need to go and reach out to people on forums, whether you need to, you know. Just be a little bit active on Twitter. Don't don't worry about asking the wrong questions. There's no such thing, you know. Just get out there and speak to people. That's one thing that I learned, you know. Especially especially being in London, there are so many people in the exact same situation that I am. It's it, it's completely unreal. And actually, Ignite really helped to 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 bring me into that network of people that yeah. were all all on the same sort of boat, if you like. Well, I was just going to ask you, what do you think the biggest tip you've got for people? But I, I assume that's it. Yeah. I, I, Right. Well, I've got a few, if that's all right. So, yeah. so number one is no matter what situation you're in, um, do some research, 
you know, get the backing of um, of the people you're closest to. You know, if you're if you're a single person, and they said if you're lucky enough to be single, then no. If you're a single person, <laughs> <laughs> if you're a single Nick person, just walked in. <laughs> <hi> Nick. Um, <laughs> You know, if you're a single person, you don't need you don't need that backing. You know, you literally have the freedom to up sticks. Then, you know, just make sure that you you know exactly what you're doing. Do the research, reach out to people, build your network a little bit. Even if that network is just speaking to people on Twitter or forums or Slack groups or whatever, just do it. Just speak to people first, so you can learn from their. Um, past experiences yeah. you know everybody will have made mistakes learn from those mistakes think about how they apply in what you're wanting to do or what you're thinking about doing and um and really have a have a deep hard think about it now if i'd have done that before i'm absolutely positive i would still have have gone down the exact same route and I, I know i would have still been in the startup mm-hmm. scene because that that for me now this is you know it's like i've just fit in like a jigsaw piece it's such a such a great pace um, for me personally, um, and and I'm sure a lot of other people will find their you know the jigsaw that they belong into if they just if they just do the research. I know research is a bit of a dirty word, but you just go out there and you just look you just look for other people in your situation. So that's I'd say that is a very long winded but but uh, important tip. Um, the second thing is if you if you are thinking about moving from one industry to the other, try doing something something in your spare time you know, sort of learn a little bit about the new business that you're trying to get into. You know, if it's, if you, if it's something like, I don't know, you might want to get into graphic design or, you know, web building or building apps or software development, something like that. There are loads of free, uh, some, you know, small fee courses that you can take just to learn some new skills, actually sort of test your feet in the water a little bit, you know, just have a play around with this, this ideal lifestyle you think you've got. Um, it's, it's like what you said previously, get involved and in, get in the circles. Get in the circles. I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I'm quite an outgoing person as you I'm sure can attest to. Um, Greg's. but I, I always had Greg's, but I always had, um, I always had a bit of a problem with networking. I, I could just, I could just never, I could just never do it. You know, I was never, I was never brilliant at it. I found it difficult to, I mean, I just didn't want to do it. You know, I found it difficult to talk to people in those circles, but do you know what the thing is? something I, you've got to get over. I know over. what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Now, the reason I'm doing a podcast is because my wife always says I'll talk to anybody and it kind of drives them mad. But what I, I kind of struggled with networking as well, and it, I was doing it wrong. I, I mean, now if I'm if I go to a networking thing, I just, I just say hello and just talk about and just just talk about me and talk about yeah. them, and, and I can I probably do a bit more listening than I do talking. Um, but it means that my replies uh, are much more well informed and much more on point. Um, as where a lot of people go there for themselves. There's not many people go to networking events to spend money. They're always there to make money. Oh, so yeah, by absolutely. speaking to people and being yourself, you get the relationship, which is what you aim for. Well, it's what yeah. I, I think is the best outcome of a networking event, a relationship. good friend of mine um, told me about a quote, I can't remember who uh, originally said it, but he said, you've got two ears and one mouth and you use them in that ratio. And mm-hmm. and I think that's perfect advice for going into networking yeah, events. Yeah, that's great. You know, listen, listen to people. Um, it's... It, it it is it is key, but it's it is a difficult one to get over. But you, you know, if I can do it, you know, anybody can do it. Yeah, that's I, I'm going to use that. Good. That's a, that's a great one. That I do like that. 
I'll try and find the original attribution to who that is. Ooh, big words. Mm, um, and was it worth it? Definitely. Flat out. Flat out, 100%. So I had, yeah, just, just to answer you succinctly, yes, it was worth it. I, because I um, had spent quite a lot of money um, and borrowed quite a lot of money trying to get my startups off the ground, I sort of hit a point where I had to um, either borrow money and burn all bridges with in-laws and parents or just Some say, people might want that. Yeah, well, yeah, some people might. <laughs> I don't recommend it, though. Um, but I had to make the decision to to go back to the bank for a few months. So, so I managed to get a, another contract for a few months, you know, just to fill, fill up the coffers um, a little bit. And I realized that while I was there, you know, and I was very forthright about this. I told everybody that I was working with there that, you know, this is just a temporary measure. But it just, it reinforced it. I already knew it to be true, but it reinforced that actually I feel like a bit of a uh, square pig in a round, square peg in a round hole. Here. <laughs> square pig. <laughs> square pig in a round boat. Um, I just, I, something's not right. Yeah, okay, I, I can do the work and I can follow the processes that you've got in place, but, you know, it's a bit corporate, it's a bit long-winded, yeah. you know, so much red tape. This is not the sort of the fast-paced, innovative, um, you know, no fear of failure environment that I'm used to. And, mm -hmm. and it just didn't sit right with me. And now I'm out of that on the other end, on the other end, working on startups again. So much happier, so much happier. Yeah. And well, it's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and, it's so exciting. And money's not the main thing. That, although a lot of people say it's a, money's what they want. It's not. It's excitement, happiness, and fulfillment. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've got that, you know, you've got that uh, hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of uh, needs, is it? You know, you've you've got to you've got to be happy in your work before you can start reaping the rewards of it. If you're not happy in your work, you know, you just, you, everything else, you know, money doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you if you if you've got a really well paid job, but you're miserable at it. You know, mm. you will be your life will be so much better if you earn a bit less, but you're really really happy, which is the situation that I'm in now. You know, yeah. so much happier, and that that sort of spills out into everything. It spills out into all your relationships. It spills out into just the the fabric of uh, to get a bit deep, but the fabric of who you are. You know, you just feel mm. so much more. You can see it connected. You can with what see you're doing. you can see it in you as well. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. So how, how can people get in touch with you, Adam? How can they ask you questions about the startup realm? Um, well, you can, probably the best way to get me is on Twitter at Adam Farah, A-D-A-M-F-A-R-A-H. Um, happy to answer any questions there or make any introductions. Um, yeah, fire them at me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very happy person and I will not shout at you for asking stupid questions. And please do do that. Like we mentioned earlier about getting in touch with the circles, ask questions and get involved in with the arena that you're aiming to get into. So do uh, do hit Adam up on Twitter. Please um, do. So I mean, it is, a, it is a genuine offer, you know, and again, it, it does speak that, back to that point of sort of getting outside your comfort zone a little bit and networking, you know, fire some questions at me. Just speak to me. Just just say hello, you know, let's, let's, let's get a chat going. That'd be awesome. So please do do that, people. Do it at Adam Farrer. So Adam, thanks very much for sharing your story. Um, even though it's uh, it's one I already know, um, it's still great to hear it again and uh, hear just you can hear the passion in your voice and how and how much it means to you and how much you enjoy it, mate. You really can. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. 
Uh, that's it for this episode of The Turning Point. As always, I've been your delightful host, Daniel Moore, and today's guest has been the fantastic, the lovely, the sharp, cut-bearded Adam Farrer. Uh, and together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles that much easier.